This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Pod pickers, John here. I've just got a quick favour to ask before we kick off, and that's to see if you would consider joining our brand new Patreon supporter programme. What the hell's that here, you ask? Right, well, Patreon is a platform which allows you to pledge a small monthly amount and in exchange you'll receive bonus content and services from us. So head on over to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash support or just go to the website and you'll see a big orange button that says Patreon. So if you click on that, that'll take you through to the Patreon page where you can find out more details and hopefully sign up for the programme. And if you don't, you're one tight get. It's Monday the 2nd of March 2020. In today's show, we are joined by Josh Sexton from the Anfield Rap, who is going to give us a lowdown on Neil Critchley, as Blackpool appoint the Liverpool Under-23s manager as their new head coach. We also review Saturday's dramatic 2-1 victory over Ipswich Bloomfield Road, and we draw up the shortlist for the two centre-forward berths in the worst ever 11. I'm John Aspinall, and this is the Podcast, episode 155. Neil Critchley's Tangerine Army. Like, just thought I'd leave Jeff, uh, Jeff, Jez chanting on there because I cut it off early in the last pod. Don't know who I noticed. I always notice these little things. I didn't. I must admit, I didn't. I do like to hear it though. <laughs> it's, it's good though. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic piece of intro. That was Tim. This is Nick. Good evening. And uh, we're calling yet another EGP, an extraordinary general podcast. It's like the third now, isn't it? And so far, it's becoming a habit, isn't it? <laughs> I feel like I've spent more time here than do at home. <laughs> Yeah, we're all best mates now, aren't we? Bezies. It, it's good to be doing it for positive reasons, isn't it? Rather than, you know, when we had to do it and there was another court case. It's all uh, it's all positive stuff, in it? So you don't mind. Oh, God, listen to that hail. We had that before, didn't yeah, we? Me, <laughs> me and Tim have played um, walking football again this evening, uh, sort of three quarters of the way in. It's like a biblical downpour of hail. And it, was. it became an ice rink, didn't it? Certainly did. It was uh, Bambi on ice. <laughs> were. So there's supposed to be like no contact and no getting stuck in. So after, after it came down, we restarted playing. 
there was there was a guy coming towards us. So I just knocked it past him, didn't I? Yeah. And he slid in two footed. <laughs> the ref just waves play on. <laughs> it it broke my legs. I believe you didn't get a free kick for that. <laughs> Some of the things that can be free kicks for, like yeah. nothing. But uh, ironically, he didn't give that anyway. There's more important things to discuss than our forays into granddad football, isn't it, Tim? Yes, it's been a, another momentous day at Bloomfield Road. And um, I think we got a little bit of an inkling from um, what Dunn said in his post-match interview on Saturday, that, that we were nearer to an appointment than might, on the face of it, it might on the face of it appeared to be and, and it proved to be the case, didn't it? What did he say exactly? Because I didn't hear it. I think it was along the lines of just, just that, you know, the, it, it, I can't remember the exact words, but it was along the lines there is going to be movement on it, at the, you know, in the, in the near future. So I think they were probably asking it in the context of, do you think you'll be here to the end of the season? And um, he said something to the effect that um, there's news imminent. And uh, and so it proved to be first thing this morning, wasn't it? About 10 o'clock, my phone started yeah, uh, same, pinging yeah. Killer Ferrison Centre. Immediately had to Google <laughs> when I saw the name come through. Because it's not one that was on anyone's radar. Well, certainly not any from any of the fan you know, forums or anything. Um, so it came, came out of the blue, really, didn't yeah. it? It's a great appointment anyway. And as I said in the intro, we've been, or we say, I've been in touch with... Uh, the lad from the and uh, there's a podcast Liverpool for Liverpool fans podcast called the Anfield Wrap. We met at my podcast conference, so I, I sent him a message and he said, "Well, we've actually got uh, a head of department who covers." This the, is the one you didn't invite us to, wasn't it? That's that, the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're with your podcast mates, <laughs> it's gone up next year as well. It's hundred quid each. But might that. be able to afford it now. Yeah, Patreon. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, they've actually got departments of people on their podcast they've actually got someone who looks after the academy and the under 23 side of this there's a big 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 scale operation compared to this so um yeah there's a lad called josh sexton i'm just going to give him a ring now and he's going to give us a lowdown on neil critchley hello oh hi josh it's uh, john aspinall from the seasoners podcast you've been expecting hi, john, us Right, yeah, just first, thanks a lot for coming on and um, helping us out, and help us understand Neil Critchley. I'm here with my two co-presenters, Mr. Tim Fielding. Evening. And Nick, How's it going? And Nick, uh, Nick Smith. Good evening. Hi, Nick. Right, so, Josh, it was a, it was a, a bit of a curveball for us, um, having Neil Critchley announced as the manager. Admittedly, I don't think a lot of Blackpool fans have heard of him, but he comes with um, an, an absolutely superb pedigree, and I believe he's one of the top coaches in the country holding the, the is it the A licence? It's, elite no, license, it's the elite one above elite A licence so um, it's there's only 16 I think worldwide there's only 16 coaches got this particular qualification and you have to be invited onto it I believe rather than just uh, putting Take yourself it, forward yeah. for doing it Josh might be able to elaborate mm. uh, just for, for our listeners uh, Josh is from the Anfield Wrap um, Josh um, I, I spoke to John uh, on Twitter, John Gibbons, and I had a bit of a chuckle to myself. So he told me that you're kind of in charge of the academy and under twenty three sides of your show. So you, you've obviously got a lot of kind of staff members on there. Yeah, so we've got a show called uh, called One for the Future, where we sort of take a bit of a look at the academy. And for probably about the last year and a half to a year, I've I've taken charge because uh, we used to have Andy Kelly on from the Liverpool Echo, but he then got hired by the club to be there, sort of press officers for the academy and things like that so I, I sort of naturally took the reins from there because 
just around that time I was sort of getting into it. Okay. Uh, Josh, just tell us a bit about yourself. How long have you supported Liverpool for, etc.? Uh, so I've been a lifelong Liverpool fan. Um, my dad was born in Anfield. I'm obviously, as you can tell by the accent, not from Liverpool originally, but moved here for the job now. So I've worked the Anfield rap since August 2016. Uh, I was originally the sub-editor and uh, become the editor since then, probably about two years ago now. So um, in many ways, so coming out of university, I did a sports journalism degree there. Um, it's sort of been the, the, the dream job for me, really. And um, obviously, like, Massive support from from everybody at the Anfield Rap uh, for for me throughout my sort of journey. So it's been good, and uh, it's been good to sort of evolve from there and getting into all sorts of different things in terms of covering the Liverpool Football Club. And as the Anfield Rap grows, hopefully that will that will become even more enjoyable. Is this a full time gig for you? Then is it a paid gig, and you like you live off it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so the Anfield Rap has, has sort of gone from being this this almost hobby where a few lads in the in the pub would just have a chat, and it's, and it's become a uh, almost a big media production company in Liverpool now employs 14 full-time staff so I'm just sort of oh, wow. one of 14 in the office we've got 14. over 100 contributors so yeah it's, it's, become, it's become quite a big operation <laughs> from little acorns John yeah, yeah, that's that's right, I can yeah. see the pound signs in his eyes if we, uh, <laughs> we need to get a couple of promotions I think <laughs> if only we were as big a club as Liverpool eh? <laughs> Although, Josh, um, I'd just like to point out the last time Blackpool played in the Premier League that we did actually do the double over Liverpool. I don't know if you're aware of that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I remember that fondly, but I do remember it for, <laughs> for, for my sins. Uh, yeah, the, the times of Roy Hodgson, I... I think it was actually um, the second time Dalgleish had just come in. Um, it was his first game when we played at Bloomfield yeah. Road. Because we, we were meant to play on... Um, was it, which I can never forget now. Was it Liverpool? We, play, we went to play on Boxing Day, or was it Man United? It was one of the two. They both got cancelled, didn't they? We had to play them in January, and uh, I remember it was Dalglish's first game, and uh, there was a big media circus, wasn't there? There, there was, yeah. And the, the, the home game, um, I used to watch uh, Liverpool a bit when I was a younger Josh, and because uh, my dad was a Liverpool fan, and. Uh, it was like a lifelong long dream to, for most of us to go to Liverpool because most of us grew up with Liverpool being sort of like the best team in the country uh, as you as you are again now, and um, to go there and win was just unbelievable. But it was it was the day of you had you sitting against Hicks and Gillette. Um, don't remember it, but um, you all stayed behind on the cop afterwards and um, and and for about half an hour, didn't they? I can't remember how long they were there at the end, but. Uh, uh, as you know, with from our uh, experiences, we've uh, we've done a few protests ourselves. So uh, yeah, we're world champions at protests. We are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were, they were much darker times for Liverpool. To be fair, thank God we've, uh, we've managed to sort of see see the light a bit now and, and, and come back to the fore, I should say. And you know, being the best team in the, in the country is is uh, yeah, it feels like a long journey in the last sort of ten years. So. Just as an aside, Josh, I read somewhere that if the coronavirus takes hold and uh, football matches are all cancelled, that Liverpool won't automatically be given the Premier League title. So is is that a worry? <laughs> Not at all, to be honest. Uh, Jurgen Klopp's actually been asked about this in his last two press conferences now and he's, he's sort of treated each question with the disdain that, that I think it deserves, to be fair. And the one today in particular, he just sort of laughed off because he said, well, if you cancel the season at this point, then who do you decide plays in the Champions League next season? Which I think is a, uh, is a valid point to make. So yeah, no, no particular worries for me. I imagine if if it does get to that point, which which you know <laughs> sort of beggars belief at this point, but if it does, then you'd imagine it just gets paused and then and then resumed at some point down the line. I mean, you've had such a, a long wait for this title, haven't you? And never winning the Premier League, it'd just be typical. 
I was, I, at you, I was at uni when I signed the one there. That's how old. I'm 52 now, by the way, Josh. And uh, <laughs> I was at uni last time you won the league. I wasn't born, so <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be quite be quite nice to me to see us win one. It's been it's been long enough. My, well, my I've life. Got, I, was born, um, I was born in August '95, so I've, oh yeah, I've never seen it. I've seen Liverpool win the league twice. Uh, uh, 1978 when they beat Villa four-one last game, and then '81 when they beat Spurs. So I've got a couple, you've got a couple to catch me up then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully they'll be coming in the next few years. I'm sure they will, yeah. based on the team you've got. Yeah, Liverpool were always the the number one team uh, growing up when I was growing up they were just unbeatable um, you, you never went to Anfield and won games and as Tim just alluded to earlier I, I remember being at Anfield when we were 2-0 we were up at half time and it was a real kind of pinch me moment I remember going in under the stands at half time thinking is this real are we actually beating Liverpool 2-0 in the Premier League uh, it was a it was a great day. Yeah, but, um, good memories from that, eh? There we have. Yeah, I remember watching that game thinking, what a great footballer Charlie Adam is. And then... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the best history. We've actually got a question um, lined up, Josh, that involves Charlie Adam, but I'll, I'll save that for you. Oh, God. <laughs> right, let's move on to the main man, Neil Critchley, announced as Blackpool, not manager, head coach today. So, uh, Josh, we've got um, a series of questions we've got coming from our fan base. So, can we fire these at you first and then we'll just have a bit of a chat? Give us your views about it. Yeah, of course, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Right, so the first one came from Graham Clayton. And uh, Graham said, aside from player development, how do you think Neil will adapt to the pressures of needing results on the pitch week in, week out? Uh, to be fair, he's quite a sort of cool, calm and collected individual. I'm, I'm lucky enough that in, in my sort of role at the Amphir up, the, the clubs are actually, well, it's, it's, it's to do with the Premier League and the sort of data licence and data co, I think it is. So we're not actually allowed to cover the, the first team games as press, but the club are kind enough to let us cover the academy games as press. So I've had the chance to sort of be around Neil Critchley in a few situations, a few press conferences, a few, a few sort of face-to-face interviews as well. And, and one of the things that stands out is, is just sort of how cool, calm and collected he is and, and that, that sort of composure that he has in, in, in sort of tough pressure situations shines through. And I think, you know, you've seen that twice with Liverpool this season when he had to take over the, the sort of seniors role when Klopp's either been, been protesting or has, or has been on the other side of the world. So uh, whichever one of them situations you, you've seen, obviously you saw him beating Shrewsbury Anfield, which which I think was beyond most of our wildest dreams, as, as sort of crazy as that sounds. You'd have asked me to go into the season, what, what beating Shrewsbury Anfield would have, would have seemed like then. I'd have said, well, it's probably running the mill, but at that stage it, it didn't quite feel like it because of the sort of hurdles you had to jump through. But, even in the Aston Villa game, look, I don't think anyone went into that game expecting anything less than, than a bathroom from Villa, but the way that Critchley sort of managed those those players through that situation, the way he, he just got them playing the, the sort of Liverpool way or, the, or this new Liverpool way, which, which sort of Klopp, has, has, Klopp and his staff have helped filter down from, from top to bottom of the club now, and, and Critchley's been an absolutely massive part of that. So I've no doubt really that he'll be able to adapt to, to the pressures of, of, of getting those results. I know under-23s footballers, it's not, it's not exactly the pinnacle of, of sort of high pressure situations, and I think there's been nobody who's more aware of that than, than Neil Critchley himself. But he's had some some sort of ulterior circumstances to deal with during his time as, as under 23s coach, and in terms of you know the players he's had to select, they've, they've not always been the best because Liverpool has been sort of in the business of shifting a few a few deadwood players who've been kicking around. But to be fair, it was just getting to the point now where where he was starting to get a, a quite consistently good young team together, and then, and then he's been swapped away from us by Blackpool. <laughs> 
I got the I got the impression from uh, from what uh, Jurgen said and and Liverpool said in the statement that they are actually very sad to see him go. Um, and uh, it's uh, you know it's hopefully Liverpool's loss is is, is our gain, but um, is. Um, his style of football, Josh, I presume at Liverpool you, you all play the same way right through all the academies and into the under-23s as, as the first team, do you? Yeah, that's, that's sort of something which is filtered down. It's, it's, I think it, there's certain tweaks they can make to, to formations and things, obviously, to, to incorporate sort of certain players. But I think there's, there's a few sort of... He even talked about in his initial interview, which I think went out on Blackpool's Twitter about non non-negotiables the thing that critically sort of references over and over again and I think that's that's something which filters down through the club so in terms of the, the intensity which Jurgen Klopp's side plays with in terms of playing out from the back and things like that I think they're, they're the sort of things which you can you can tell filter down from, from the senior team to, to the reserve teams Oh, oh great excellent so that sounds good um, Tommy Wilson said which academy players could he re- realistically see being loaned to us next season obviously that's, that's just what I was going to oh, ask yeah. that was my first thought when I saw we'd, we'd signed him right which, which players do we think are ready to to step up and we could perhaps get on loan well for, yeah for next season well, so, so, that's the, so that's the question Josh and do you think that's a possibility that there'll be a relationship between Liverpool and Blackpool going forward a, a symbiotic relationship if you will I think so. Yeah, I think you've, you've you've sort of seen in terms of Steven Gerrard's move to Rangers that, that Liverpool and Rangers and, and Steven himself have been able to sort of benefit from from having that working relationship. I know I know Steven took a few of his staff members over there as well. So I was sort of interested. There we had we had Neil Jones from Goal.com in the office today because he does a few of our shows and he's the sort of Liverpool correspondent. And I said to him, "Do you think Critchley would take any staff?" And he said he wasn't sure, but there may be a few players going over. There's a there's Reese Williams who's out on loan at Kidderminster, I believe, at the moment, uh, which is. Sort of, it was a bit of a lower level than I think most Liverpool fans were expecting to go to. He was the uh, he was the captain of the under 18s last season. Obviously, the, the ones who won the, the FA Youth Cup final. Um, so he he would be one who, if he was to go back out on loan again, if the club decided that was sort of next stage of his development, then Blackpool would seem like almost a, a more natural step up from there to, to get him to that higher level. There's, there's a few others kicking around who've had injury problems and things like that. It's interesting the way that Liverpool sort of deal with these young players because I think the way that Klopp sees it, the way that Alex Inglethorpe, who's our, who's our head of the academy and, and, and things like that, the way they see it is it, if you're at a certain stage in development where actually learning from, you know, playing the Liverpool way and, and being in, involved in the facilities that, that are at the academy and are at Kirby, um, then, then you sort of stay there and you're better off learning there almost, whereas there's some who... I think get to a certain stage where if they're not getting the game time in Liverpool's first team, then they're the ones who, who who have got to a sort of certain point in their education, and then they need to go and go off and get the first team games. So there's, there's a few from the sort of under 23s I can think of. Adam Lewis would maybe be one who's had a few injury problems and, and maybe expected to get a few more senior games than he has this season. So they'd be maybe the, the, the two names that I'd be thinking would would sort of be a good fit for Blackpool, but. I can't imagine that that relationship will be will be something which you'll you'll see more of as as quickly sort of goes through his, his his early days at Blackpool, particularly sort of heading into next season, obviously with the summer and things like that. I think it was. I just wanted to pick up on a point you made before as well about. Klopp's statement is that I think it, it speaks highly of, of Critchley and the way he's thought of at the club. That it is sort of it's, it's always quite bittersweet. I think when you when you lose a, a, a member of staff who is so highly thought of, and, and it's strange at the moment because there's a few sort of behind the scenes and in Klopp's backroom staff who've been coming and Klopp's imagined to recruit a few new people. But in terms of the academy level, it's obviously bittersweet because I think. You, you sort of look at academy staff in, in, a, in a nearly similar way to the players in terms of they're at a certain stage of their coaching development as well. So 
when they do go on to bigger and better things, it, it's quite nice. But also, it means that Liverpool have to go and replace them now, and, and they are massive shoes to fill. As, as I think, you know, the coverage and, and the way you see in Liverpool's young players coming out and sort of speaking so highly of Critchie, I think that all shows. Mm. Mm. We've uh, it's been quite interesting about you said about um, young players perhaps needing to get out because we've. Uh, since January, where we've sort of hopefully turned a bit of a corner, we brought a couple of players in from Wolves and from um, Leicester, um, Kieran Dewsby Hall from Leicester and Conor Ronan from um, Wolves, and they seem to be thriving in the environment where I can imagine under twenty three game is quite a sterile environment. In that, I mean that from the point of view, there's no fans and there's there's um, no atmosphere, and these lads have come in and. Um, I mean, Kieran Dewsby Hall just said it was the best moment in football when he scored the winner last week against Bolton on Tuesday night. I don't we saw it on um, uh, on on social media, but there was a bit of pitch invasion at the end when he scored. And uh, but for a young lad to to be able to, you know, we have got quite a vibrant atmosphere at Blackpool, and for a young lads to come and experience that and and hopefully move their development on as well. I, I think it, you know, it's it's everybody benefits, don't they? Yeah, I think it's becoming more of a thing in English football these days as well, isn't it? If you look at the, the, the England national team, you'll see there's a load of lads in there who've, who've sort of benefited from, from loan moves throughout their careers. So I think it, like you say, the, the under-23s games, uh, they, they're, they're fit for a certain level, but I think there's, there's not enough of a, of a sort of challenge at that level and there's not enough being done. I know they've thrown a couple of cup competitions in to try and make things a bit more competitive, that sort of knockout football aspect but like you say they're still played in front of practically empty stadiums they're either played at, at Liverpool's academy at Kirby which a few people get down to but look it's it's, it's you know particularly in the sort of winter months Kirby is, is like sitting in the eye of a storm to be honest and it's, it's not exactly well protected stand, so it, it doesn't make for the most desirable circumstances but like you say playing playing in front of sort of packed stadiums and, and, and playing you know against against sort of you know senior players as well is, 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 is a big challenge and I think that's one which which Liverpool are keen for some of their players to, to experience. And I think you saw that by Liverpool entering the, 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 I don't know what you want to call it, the EFL trophy, checker trade trophy, <laughs> Vanarama, whatever, uh, whatever it's, it's been, uh, it's been tagged as this season. But I think that was, that was all part of the experience of, of Liverpool trying to get these lads to, to learn from, from that sort of football week in, week out. So I think they'll, they'll see this relationship, potential relationship with Blackpool as, as being a massive positive, I think, going forward. Oh, sounds good. Um, Josh, you know the the qualification we were talking about before that he has. Um, do you know sort of what was what was involved in getting that the the elite qualification? Um, I've no idea. To be honest, I know that um, there's, there's a few of them who go off with the sort of Welsh FA and the, and the Northern Irish FA. Don't they? I've seen that with mm. the, with a few of the the ex pros who who go off to these camps to do to do their UA for license and things like that. But to be honest, I've, I've no real idea about. Uh, Critchley's qualifications in terms of that because as, as I say my dealings with them have just sort of been with uh, going to, to watch the under-23s going to watch the under-18s over the years and, and sort of dealing with them on, on a more personal basis than actually delving into his background too much so, so I wouldn't be too sure what that entails but you know it's, it's obviously it's something that requires a lot of work it's something that requires a, a lot of time and, and I think that that dedication shines through in, in terms of the way that he, he is with his players on the pitch and, and some of the players that he's developed. You can look at a few of the success stories now that we've got at Liverpool and Trent Alexander-Arnold is obviously mm-hmm. a massive one. He's, he's, he's the best right-back in the country for me. He's, he's one of the best right-backs in the world as well and he's he's someone who comes out and openly talks about how much of a role Neil Critchley's played in his mm-hmm. development. So mm-hmm. I think you can look at Curtis Jones this season as well who's starting to break through. I think he would say that you know, Critchley's played a massive part in his development, so I think the success stories are, are there for you to see. Yeah, sounds positive. It does have you spoke to him on a personal level at all? Like, interviewed him, chatted with him, etc. 
Yeah, so we've done a few interviews with him for, for this one for the future. I've, done a few, I've been in a few sort of, I call them press conferences, they're not, not exactly the sort of fanfare which, which Jürgen Klopp gets where 50-odd journalists pack into a room and there's, and there's video cameras everywhere. It's more just sort of being stood sometimes in the rain with your hood up and your, and your, and your dictaphone out yeah. on, on the side of some pitch somewhere. But yeah, I've been in, involved in a few sort of you know in, intimate situations with him and, and he, it, the fact that he is just a, a proper football bloke shines through and I think that's something that which is true for all the coaches at the academy but particularly Critch he just he just sort of loves the football and has got a real passion for developing players so that's obviously good if you if you're an academy coach at Liverpool that's ideal but you know if you're if you're a Blackpool fan that should excite you as well because as you mentioned with with the two lads who've been on loan at this season that that can massively benefit you as a football club as well. Excellent. Yeah, I'm just looking at his career stats as a player. Um, he, he never he played one game for for Crew Alex and three for Lee RMI. So he wasn't he was never a player by by those kind of stats. But he's obviously purely involved in coaching at a very high level and high standard. So a, a kind of a student of the game almost. Well, he started off at Crew, didn't he? Uh, before um, he moved to Liverpool, I think in 2013. I think Crew. Were, for my involvement in junior football, Crew have always had one of the best academies, particularly in, in the lower leagues. Mm. They've had loads come through, haven't they? Over oh, the over, over the years. Going right, right back, I know there's a bit of con- controversy over some some of the scenarios there, but with, going back to Dario Grady's day, with, you know, there's there a whole raft of players who came through who played in the Premier League, wasn't there? Um, and um, I know um, I don't know whether Josh is aware, but we've got a couple of players who's, who've actually been coached by um, by Critch he's uh, starting with Ollie Turton who's playing right back at the moment he was a crew player from 2010 and then a player you might know um, Matty Virtue who plays centre midfield for us at the moment so uh, there is there are some links um, and uh, in related you know back to him as a coach in the football club already so he'll have a few friendly faces and or faces that he'll recognise uh, when he walks through the door if he hasn't already and met all the players I'm sure he's probably met them at some point today but do you know Matty- yeah more Matty Yes, Matty that- Virtue was, was he was the captain of the under-23s and under Critchley for sort of the last two or three seasons, I think. So he'll be one who, who's, who's dead familiar to him, yeah. Right, OK. Back to the questions. John Ford said, not to do with Blackpool Football Club, but I'd like to know his view on Harry Wilson. Does he think he has a future at Liverpool Football Club? I think Joe knows this young lad. Uh, John knows this young lad. Are you aware of Harry, Harry Wilson? Uh, Harry, Harry Wilson on, on loan at Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah, of course. He's... he's He's been one of them who's sort of he's almost in the in the Ryan Kemp mould for Liverpool, I think, where he's he's been back for a few pre seasons. He has impressed. I think he's really highly thought of at the academy as well. But I think it's one of them where look, it's 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 so hard to break into Liverpool's first team at the moment, and, and there's and there's no harder position than being part of, of of the forward line because if you look at Liverpool's front three, I think. You know, it's, it's undisputed really, that they're the, the one of the best in, in world football with Salamani and Firmino. So I think it's, it's such a tough job to break into. I think Harry Wilson's a, a player who's got a massive future in, in the Premier League. I think you've seen that during his, his, his loan at Bournemouth and some of the goals he scored and, and how sort of important he has, he has been to Bournemouth season. But I, I, I don't necessarily see him having a future at Liverpool just because I think it is, it is so hard to break into that first team. So I think he's, he's one of them where He'd, he'd be a success story for Liverpool's academy because if, if you sort of, you know, I know we don't really like to do it as, as football fans, we like to think of football as being this romantic thing. But if you look at the business side of things, then at the end of the day, the part of the academy is process is, is it being a production line and, and there's players who, who sort of come and go and, and you want top players there who, who you can develop and, and then demand big fees for. And I think Harry Wilson's one of them who we've had a few dealings with Bournemouth down the years where they've, where they've probably overpaid for a few of our players. But I think 
in Harry Wilson, they'd be getting they'd be getting a bit more bang for their buck. To be fair, so I think he, he's he's someone who's who's definitely got a bright future in the game. I'm I'm just not sure whether that's at Liverpool, to be honest. All right, we'll have him then. <laughs> so there's, there's one. Think, how about that? Yeah, you'd have to have some somewhere in the region of twenty twenty five million, I think. So unless we've got that ticket I'll tell you who's impressed me this year. Um uh, Oxford played us, I think it was like the third or fourth game of the season. And we actually how we won the game, I think we're still scratching our heads over it because we got completely played off the park by uh, Oxford and uh, there was Ben Woodburn, ben Woodburn who yeah. was playing for them in centre midfield and he, he really caught the eye. I mean he was for me the best player on the pitch mm, that day. Is is he still at Oxford or is he um, is he back with Liverpool now? Do you know, he had a bit of an in, he had a bit of an injury issue, so I think he's been actually back training at, at Melwood um, at Liverpool's training ground. But I think he's he's technically still on loan at Oxford, but but I know he's been he's been doing a bit of rehab back at Melwood. So right. he's, he's he's I think he's Liverpool's uh, record youngest goal scorer. I'm, I'm, I think I'm right in saying he scored against against Leeds in the League Cup a few years ago at Anfield. So he, he was someone who who was massively highly thought of at Liverpool, and I think certain circumstances sort of went against him in terms of injury issues and, and game time. I know he's had a few bad loan spells and, and things like that. So he's, he's one who I think we're still all, all waiting for to kick on. But yeah, like you say, it, it sounds like from, from the reports coming back from, from Oxford United supporters and, and sort of seeing how he's been getting on in, in, in League One, that he's, he's, he's been a bit of a success story for them. So hopefully that all aids development. And hopefully he still does have a future at Liverpool, you'd think. Mm. I oh, will have him as well then. <laughs> yeah, I'll yeah. say. We've got, we've got, we've got, we've got a tick list going on here now. <laughs> We're actually moles for Simon Sadler, our owner. So, you know, getting a good, good bit of inside information here. <laughs> I'm worried if I keep talking about Mane, Salah, and Firmino, you might be asking for one of them too. So. <laughs> well, he is a, he is a uh, billionaire. He's a multi-millionaire hedge fund manager, our owner. He lives out in, in Hong Kong. So, he's got a few quid, but I don't think on that scale, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I might have to find a few back on the back of the sofa extra for that. <laughs> I don't see Firmino moving to Blackpool either, so that that deal's probably dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you've got a good dentist in the area, I imagine I imagine he could be he could be sweated. <laughs> right, um John also asked, uh, the Seasounds podcast has recently done a worst eleven feature. Uh where we just pick the worst eleven Blackpool players we've ever seen. Uh, and he's seen a similar feature on the um, Liverpool Football Club podcast recently where Blackpool well, sorry where Liverpool legends Liverpool legends where he's put Liverpool players Paul Stewart and Charlie Adam were mentioned in the worst ever Liverpool 11 so uh, what's your view on these X2 Blackpool players you're probably a bit too young for Paul Stewart Paul Stewart but yeah I am I am too young for Paul Stewart unfortunately but, uh, but yeah uh, I'm, well I say unfortunately I'm unfortunately enough, <laughs> old enough to have seen Charlie Adam play for Liverpool as well he was it was interesting with Charlie Adam because I, I, I've, I've sort of uh, I've since deleted my Facebook for, 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 for various reasons, but one of them was apparently for the poor state that used to play in 2010, which said that I was excited about Charlie Adam arriving at Liverpool Football Club, uh-huh. uh, excited, excited to see what he could bring because it, because he lucky had been a revelation for Blackpool when when you came up that season, and uh, and he, he sort of had that technical ability which which I think was 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 compared by some Liverpool fans at the time to Steven Gerrard in terms of his range of passing, his free kick taking things out. So I think it, it was sort of quite exciting at the time, but uh, with hindsight, it, 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 it sort of beggars belief how you, ever, how you ever got excited about Charlie Adam coming to, to Liverpool, really. It's probably a bit of an indictment of, of where we were as, as a football club at the time. But uh, I, th- I think you, you, you can't sort of, you know, get, get too stuck into some players. I imagine there's some Liverpool supporters who, who would love to get stuck into Charlie Adam probably, probably more than I will do. But uh, I think I think it was just one of them. He, he wasn't quite good enough for, for for Liverpool at the time. We we only signed him for 
I think was it about eight, eight or ten million at the time? Eight, eight and a half, I think. Yeah, I seem to remember. Yeah, so it, it wasn't exactly an astronomical transfer fee, which would pay for some other of, the, of our of our biggest flops. So he probably is somewhere in and around a, a, a terrible Liverpool eleven. But yeah, I, I don't think you'll find me getting getting too stuck into him to be honest. I think it was a case with Charlie. It was he was. Um a big fish in a small pond at Blackpool and it was a small fish in a big pond at Liverpool. Yeah, and I also think that um, we were very forgiving Blackpool fans because we, we'd never really seen players of his quality. That when Charlie went and, and sprayed a ball and, it, and he gave possession away, we forgave it, didn't we? And just got on because we knew he'd do it again and we'd do it again. Well, I think with Liverpool with a 50,000 crowd and, um, and you know, you misplace a few passes and the whole very quickly people start getting on your backs and um, I just think it was wrong move for him at the end of the mm. day I'm sure it wasn't a wrong move financially but wrong move from the point of view of career mm. yeah I think like you say it's, it's, it's different pressures isn't it? and, and it is, yeah. being part of a Blackpool side who, who are trying to stave off relegation you're probably playing in, I, I can't you know, claim to be an expert on Blackpool style play at the time but you probably played Slightly more defensively than than you'd, than you'd expect the Liverpool side to do, which was quite not the Premier League. We didn't. There was no. There was no defending. It was, it was uh, we'll score more than yeah. you. You score three. We'll score four. <laughs> it was exciting, but uh, kamikaze. Yeah, yeah. ultimately led to our demise. And the thing was, with Charlie, yeah. he was he was at the centre of everything for us, wasn't he? Mm. You know, he'd, he'd single handedly drag us through games, and then all of a sudden he's going to a club where it's totally different level and expectations, and he wasn't wasn't the star man. Um, so yeah. Right, let's move on to something yeah, more I, positive. Um, <laughs> El Rayas, oh, sorry, sorry, Al, I think I've mispronounced your name there, um, says, uh, what is Critchley's preferred formation style of play? Is it based on Klopp's philosophy, or do you think he'll implement his own style at Blackpool? Kind of answered that before, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, this is what I'd be quite interested to see, to be honest. I'd be interested to see how much of the sort of Liverpool blueprint he, do, he does take to Blackpool. I imagine it'll be a bit more sort of circumstantial and, and, and more on a on a, on probably a game by game basis than it is at Liverpool. I think at Liverpool he's he's sort of broadly expected to uh, adopt the the four three three which is which you see Jurgen Klopp playing uh, variations of week in week out. I think the only, the only variations he, he sort of would make away from that would be based on other formations that Klopp trains through this team because I think obviously at under twenty three level in particular you're looking for those players to to be sort of one step away from the first team so they they they're the ones who really need to be. You know, as as close to, to the first team mould as possible. So I'd be interested to see what what he, what he can do with with formations and tactics at Blackpool. But I imagine he, he won't want to go too far away from what he's been taught. Because obviously, it would it would make the the sort of job a bit more difficult for him. So I, I think you'll you'll see some things which which he's which he's learned from his time at Liverpool. But I don't imagine it'll be the sort of carbon copy. Because as I say, I, I think it'd be quite hard to translate from from under twenty three football in, in, into League One football, where where the pressures are massively different, as discussed before. Do you, do you think that Liverpool fans might now keep an eye on Blackpool's results and performances based on him moving to us? Or would they not be bothered? I think, prob- <laughs> <laughs> I think probably at first the, the, the ones who are interested in the academy will, will, will be will be will sort of have a, a passing interest in Neil Critchley. I think it won't be a case of you know every, every week there's millions of Liverpool fans rushing to a to Google Blackpool's results. But I imagine if if, if Liverpool fans see that Neil Critchley is Blackpool are winning games and any sort of being a success there, then, then it's one of them that you, of course, raise a smile at because anyone who's been involved in the in the club and has, and has left under positive circumstances, as, as Neil Critchley has, anyone who's who's highly thought of at Liverpool Football Club when, when they do leave is, is sort of wished all the best. And I think Liverpool's fan base, pro- probably in particular, to be honest, is, is, someone, is, is one who 
looks that looks after their own after they've left. And I think you've seen that with with I don't know if you guys would sort of follow it to this extent, but Lucas Lever's career at Lazio, he's, I think he's won uh, two player of the seasons back to back where Liverpool fans have taken over Lazio's Twitter polls. So. I think you see that when 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 these players and coaches do leave un, under good terms, then then we do sort of wish them all the best and and probably do look out for their results, you know, going down the line. I think more so if we get a couple of your players on on loan next season as well, it may peak peak a bit more interest. And um, yeah, hopefully it's a the start of a good relationship between the two pools, as it were. Mm. Just need Hartlepool on board now. <laughs> <laughs> Right, finally, uh, Colin McGilbert says, um, Neil Critchley is a, quotes, nice guy, so does he need a, quotes, bad cop on the staff? Um, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I, have, I have known Critchley to, to sort of have it out with, with a few of his players if, if they do step out of line. So I think while, while he, is a, he is a nice guy and, and he, he obviously does have, does have this, this sort of calm side, and I think he, he knows when, he knows when to, to be disciplined as well. And I think particularly... At academy level, where where there are players who, who've maybe made that step up and and you know are are sort of getting a bit of self belief, and I think there is there is obviously this thing around modern football now where there's young players who who are becoming superstars before they've even even made it. I think if you know a few of Liverpool's under 18s players were, were walking through town, there'd be there'd be someone stopping and asking them for pictures, such as is the coverage around football now. So I think I think he'll have just the right level to be honest. So I, I'm not sure if he'd necessarily need, need to have a bad cop with him. I, 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 like I said before, I'd be interested to see. If there are any staff members from from Liverpool that, that he takes along with him, I imagine that there probably would be one or two because he'd, he'd want to stick to what he knows to a certain extent. But yeah, I, I think I think he's 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 got just the right balance, and and he'll he'll be a nice guy to to us who who are coming and supporting the academy and sort of members of the members of the press when when he needs to be. But I think he'll also know that if, if any players are getting out of line, then he won't be afraid to discipline them. I don't think. Yeah, Josh, um, I think uh, what's going to be interesting for us is um, he's almost got like a bit of a free run for the rest of this season at Blackpool. I don't know how much you know about where we are, but we're not going down because of the scenario um, with Bolton and Southend and a few other teams who have really struggled this year. Berry leaving the league, so there's only three going down anyway. And we're not, we realistically, because we had a bad run after Christmas, um, we're not going up either. So, you know, I think I think we are... Um, as Blackpool fans, quite keen on maybe seeing some experimentation, and and because mm. result, I don't think results are everything this year. I think the way we play, um, the interesting bit for me is because at the moment we we tend when we play in our best football, we play three at the back and uh, with wing backs, and it'll be interesting to see whether he sticks with that or whether he breaks that up and 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 reinvents um, reinvents Blackpool in, like I said, in almost in the Liverpool mould, and um, it, it, it's really I think galvanised the rest of our season because we're all quite buzzing about the prospects of seeing something hopefully a bit different and hopefully very, very entertaining. Mm. Yeah, I think when you, when you mentioned at the start that it is a bit of a curveball, I think it's, it's one of them which could end up being a massively you know, shrewd piece of business for Blackpool. I think if, if, he, if he can use this second half of the season to, to, to adapt to the players he's got there in, in the dressing room now, gets used to them, gets used to how they want to play, I think. You know, if you, if you talk about playing three at the back with with wing backs, then you, you'll see with Liverpool system, it's, it's obviously not three at the back. But um, with Trent and Andy Robertson, the, the way they like to play, that's that's been replicated down the academy. You've seen uh, Nico Williams breaking through the season at right back, who's who's sort of right in that Trent Alexander-Arnold mould in terms of his deliveries into the box. He likes to get forward. He likes to arrive late and, and score goals as well. And we've got uh, Yasser Larucci, who's who's a French uh, lad who's who's a sort of converted winger who, who plays at left back for the academy, and then. What actually happens is there's a sort of sitting midfielder who, who will drop back as, as the full-backs push on, so it almost becomes then a three-at-the-back formation. So it, so it is quite adaptable. I'll be interested to see whether 
uh, Critch can sort of find some some kind of variation of, of, of our black wall if it is a three at the back system, which which has worked for you. So I think if he if you can use the second half of the season to get used to things, use the summer to maybe get a few of the lads in that he's, that he's familiar with at Liverpool and, and then head into next season with with the fans behind him. And I think that's that's obviously the, the sort of main thing for Blackpool. And I think you know from from the outside looking in, you've had you've had a few years of, of, of sort of such uncertainty that I think. That, that bringing back a bit of that excitement into, into the football club is, is obviously a, a massively good thing and that's, that's what we all want as football fans at the end of the day isn't it? we want to, to have something good to watch you know, every week so I think that Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I think that's something that Critch can definitely bring is bring that excitement back to it and, and, and bring that through the football as well in terms of what, what you're watching on the pitch being exciting. Excellent. So he's obviously the mirror opposite to Simon Grace, and who we've just got rid of. He employed a, a particularly dinosaur-esque brand of football where he just set out to win 1-0 or draw. So yeah, sounds all really positive. Right, Josh, thanks a lot for that. That was really, really good and really insightful. So really appreciate your time. No worries at all. really enjoyed it. <laughs> Go back and have your tea now and watch Corey and whatever it is you were doing. I love Bill Highlights or something. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I, I, might have, I might have to go and uh, I might have to go and wash away the memories of, uh, of Charlie Adams. <laughs> <laughs> go and watch a Blackpool highlights reel or something. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that bad. No, th- <laughs> thanks very much, right. guys. Cheers, mate. Thanks Cheers, a lot. Thank you. Bye. 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 Cheers. Right, that was really interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was really good insight. Probably more than anybody's had. I think that you know, I think if you if you're speaking to somebody like Josh who's seen him work. There, I didn't realise they were full time there. It's uh, unbelievable, isn't it? But yeah. 40, they've got fourteen staff. He said on the podcast that is unreal. I don't think we had that many at our football club in recent times, <laughs> did we? <laughs> Let alone on the podcast side of things. So there you go, Simon Sadler. If you're listening, and there's there's the full goss on it. I'm sure he knows actually. I'm sure he knows a fair bit. But the thing is, you learn these things that Josh has spoken about there that that other people won't be aware of because they're not down the training ground all the time. Yeah, like the question around, you know, does he need the the bad cop in there? Um, And it sounds like he's he's more than capable of doing that himself. Mm. So. All sounds really positive for me. So, uh, have we got anything else? Just general thoughts on on the appointment that we want to talk about, or should we just move on to? I think I think probably the one thing that that, that I think is the most encouraging from the club's perspective is that obviously it, uh, before Critchley's name came forward, we 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 had various names in the hat, and we all had our favourites. I think I don't think you have to think too. I think where where my my loyalties lay, where I thought we should be looking, and and I think whoever had come in. Um, there was a possibility of a, a little bit of division, right? It shouldn't have been him, it should be him. And I had a radio wave asking me about Heckingbottom today when when I, when I spoke to them. And have you been whoring again? I, I was media whoring, yeah. <laughs> but the uh, 
but from what I've noticed today is that it seems to have had universal mm. approval. Um, everybody seems to be positive about this. Everybody seems to be prepared to buy in with to what Simon and the board are trying to do. And, and that's been really refreshing, hasn't it? It's almost like everybody's on a united front and I hope it stays that way because it may take a while. If particularly he's going to change the system, it isn't going to, it isn't going to happen overnight, is it? No, um, and it, it's, it's, although you're going from Liverpool to Blackpool, it's still a massive step up in terms of managing a first team compared to under-23 football, regardless of which yeah, club that under-23 football was at. You've got seasoned pros to deal with now, haven't you? You have, yeah. And, and <laughs> Gary Medine's a little bit different than, a, than <gasps> an 18 or 19-year-old young lad, isn't what, Yeah, and getting used to what he's got as well, although we're, yeah. we're doing a lot right off the pitch and, you know, putting putting right everything that's been wrong over the last few years. There's there's probably a bit of a, a culture shock there as well. Um, Squires Gate will be a culture cool yeah, shock. Exactly. Oh, I was going to say that. So we've got to give him time to get used to all that as well. well. He's, he's got he's got the per critch has got the perfect opportunity now though to use this back end of this season there's no pressure you know to, we're not going to go up we're not going to go down and it's a it's a it's a great time for him really just to get in get his get his ear in and and listen, work if, the, things out. If, if the stadium um sorry if the training ground is going to come along as quickly as it's now been spoken about mm. uh, he's got the opportunity to have some input into that hasn't he as to what he wants the and academy, how he wants yeah. it to look um so that hopefully um, it's set up right because one thing's for certain Liverpool will do it right mm. and I'm sure he can bring something to the table oh yeah well. absolutely he'll have full knowledge of how these um, proper pro academies work won't he you know so it's a, we've got all that with him as well and he's, he'll obviously have all these contacts at Liverpool as well so it's, it's all positive I mean I think I'd prefer this guy over the likes of Nathan Jones definitely definitely hecking bottom and you know, if you, if well, you it's, a fresh new, out of it's a fresh new approach, isn't it? Mm, yeah. And like, so when you look at it with his qualifications, he's one of the top, you know, coaches in Europe. At, at you know what he's got under his belt, so there's, not, there's no guarantee. With, uh, listen, no, there isn't, I, I but think, there isn't with any manager. I think any. There? Yeah, I was going to say any manager. You know, we, we've done the experience bit with Grayson, and that that did not work out. <laughs> let's put it, let's put it politely. Um, and I said, as I said on the radio, uh, going back to the radio waving to, they were asking me about, or was I concerned about the lack of experience? But listen, listen, when the two managers who've been the most successful for us in the last twenty years has been Grayson when he was a rookie, and and Holloway coming off um, his stock at an all time low. Um, so when we've when we've gone for experience and it hasn't worked, so you know everything's a risk. This has got ticked so many boxes. Uh, for the long-term strategy of what Simon's trying to do with the foot with with Blackpool Football Club, that I think we've all got to buy into it. Absolutely, yeah, great news. So well done, Simon. Well done, the board. And um, let's now move on to the last match review, which was Blackpool versus Ipswich on Saturday. And this is quite a app sound effect for the in, for the interval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, next season. Yeah. The sentiment there was uh, a big up to Simon Sadler, really. Yeah. This, this seemed to be more emphasis on the uh, we're going up there. And that still bit, but never mind. How many games left? 11? We could do a per- perfect Perfect 10. 11. Yeah. It's going to be perfect 13 if we do yeah. it, won't so that's it? 33 yeah. points to play for, is it? What are we on about? About 45 at the moment? Yeah, you'd have to win everyone, pretty much, wouldn't you? Racing did it. Uh, not to get in the playoffs. I think you'd probably get away with about 11 wins, but I think... Um, well, we'll we'll come back to this. If we win the next four or five on the trot, then yeah. uh, you might get me a little bit excited. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, Saturday, Blackpool played Ipswich at Bloomfield Road. 
And Tim and I, thanks to Tim and the fabulous uh, firm of solicitors at Barker Booth and Eastwood, treated us all to a day in a corporate box. And what a great day it was, Tim. Uh, I've got to say, normally when I go upstairs, and I don't, despite what people think, I don't go up very often, but when I do, I tend to like to go into the lounge because I just think there's a bit more buzz around there. Mm-hmm. But I've got to say, on Saturday, I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, um, you know, we, we looked after really well by the club. Um, uh, Lindsay and Paul Rowley um, got um, free round. Got us a round of drinks yeah. in when we arrived. We had Bloomfield bearing. <laughs> We had Tony Green in, uh, Danny Coyne, Danny Coyne, Mark Joseph. Oh, it was brilliant. Honestly, the whole day was, and, and to get the last minute winners we were going to go and speak about, it was just like the icing on the cake. Wasn't I it? looked up at one point and you were all hanging over, <laughs> shouting, Who are you? to the <laughs> in unison. Where were we? Yeah. We were also singing, uh, Shove your fucking tractor up your arse. Yeah, sure. could hear that one. <laughs> could you? Yeah. There's people around in like M block looking around. I think we were the most boisterous yeah. box by well, when, when, when we scored our goals, it was like we were back on the terraces, wasn't it? <laughs> we, had a, we had a good mix of people in there, didn't we? We did. We met the ref in the foyer beforehand as well. Looked like, a, like an aging pop star. He did. He had like kind of like weathered skin and. Permatan. Yeah, permatan. Yeah, like David Dickinson. <laughs> We made a comment to him, didn't we? So, yeah. I can't remember what it was now, but it was funny. And um, there was a sort of a random, sort of Far Eastern gentleman what right next to our box as well. I don't know if he's come from Hong Kong. Virus we should have actually asked him. We were a bit remiss, really, because he yeah. meant to be roving reporters for the podcast. He was buzzing, wasn't he, this yeah. guy? But he said it was his second ever game. And he was having pictures. You know, like you, when, you go to, when you get these um, Asian fans that go to like, the Premier League yeah, games yeah. and they're having the pictures. Yeah. To, he, was, he was doing all this. He was loving it. selfies. He was absolutely loving it. So. Yeah. I took a picture for him and... He, he retook it after he saw me doing my... He did, he copied you, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did. I did my scarf in the air, um, but with the backdrop of the, the North Stand. It's a great picture. Mm. Really good. I put that on my um, Facebook profile pic. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, what a, what a great day, eh? Really good. And the, the club really do look after you in those boxes as well, don't they? And quite attentive and it's a really good experience. Yeah, I sometimes feel it can feel a bit isolated, and I think because we had the door open and everybody kept coming in, and and we ended. I think there was about twenty odd people in there in the end, wasn't there after the game? And uh, yeah, I've I've looked back at it and I thought, God, I don't think it could have gone any better. Really, it was yeah. it was fantastic. It was certainly was, and free bar for you as well. <laughs> I did offer to pay at the end, Tim. He I said, No, like, don't worry about it. I put I put the uh, expenses chitty in this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I only had a couple of cokes. Oh, I'm sure you did. I've listened to that podcast you did. Uh, the uh, I don't what would you call that? You'd have to Extra call it time pissed cast. Yeah, pissed cast. <laughs> a bit no, more slur in the normal slur cast. <laughs> more so at full time, wasn't there? On the Tony Green cast, Green, box cast, box cast. Yeah. So, the benefit of the non-patron listeners out there, we did a an extra time show, which patrons only get. Um, we did a half time and full time review and interview with Tony Green towards the end and Tony gave us his views on the game and just a bit of a, a general chit-chat about his career. So it was, it was really interesting. Yeah. I didn't listen to all the, the, the uh, interview with Tony Green until I took the dog out yesterday and uh, I listened to it on my, when I was walking the dog and that that was fantastic. It was it was the best bit. We'll have to put it out at some point. Let everybody else listen to it. Maybe in it, six months' time. It was. He's after, he wants a few more patrons first. <laughs> yeah, because I want to do a box again. Get enough cash or uh, I'll put us up a box. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was hilarious, that piece. I was listening back to it myself, so it was really funny. So, Ashley, Ashley was on good form as well. Yes. He, he was. Right, let's get on to the game. Uh, 2-1 to Blackpool. Uh, first half, Nick, how do you think that went? 
we obviously scored and that was kind of our first. Yeah, started well like we do and then they started to come back into it, um, which seems to be a bit of a, a recurring theme. The goal um, itself though? Very well taken. Very well taken. He won the ball back well, didn't he? After yeah. we'd, we'd lost, we'd surrendered possession, hadn't we? And, and uh, he showed quite a lot of tenacity, I mm. thought, in getting the ball back. And Did you see the way he moved the ball? He, he, he really moved it to the left like three or four yards and it's it like a you can tell he's like a Premier League player just doing little things like that to give himself plenty of room to yeah. manoeuvre himself yeah. and whip it in and, then, and, and he did it the, it did it the left hand post as it went yeah you in. said that didn't you at the time yeah I thought it had just caught it I thought to be fair I thought it came back more than it did but um, it, 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 it it was a hard it was it was a difficult one to, to get in on target because mm. and to be fair the keeper was down and nearly got it. I mean, yeah, the, the argument he maybe should have done a bit I better. I think he was a bit uh, miscited, to be honest, the keeper, because there was a few bodies in front of him. Yeah, mm. quite possibly. He got down quite slow, didn't he? But it was a very accurate shot right in the corner. And yeah. KDH doing it again. Medine mm. um, missed another sitter in the first half, Nick. Can you remember? It kind of... Did, was that one when he... He, he he just didn't spin fast enough. He had a really slow turning circle. Yeah. And There's that one where Fonz laid it out to the left to him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. and he's, you, to be honest, when you're a striker, when you when you're on form, and you just hit that first time. Yeah. I mean, as soon as you're taking the touch, you're giving the advantage back to the defender for yeah. me. And we were screaming at him, "Where we shoot?" I was well, like that at walking football tonight. I took a touch when I shouldn't have. Yeah. Mm. It's just sometimes you just got to go for it. I mean, at the yeah. end of the day, um, it's that it's when you if you if you go for it first time, that's when you've got that little bit of space. And uh, so it was a quite, that was quite frustrating. Maxwell made a brilliant save, didn't he? Yeah, first half. Well, he was man of the match for yeah. me, um, without a shadow of a doubt. I think um, you know, even right at we'll go obviously on come to second half yet, being right at the end, you know, only stopped them scoring, but then set up the winner, didn't he? So. Yeah. Um, with, with his with his punt downfield, but yeah, he's, he's he's impressed me quite a lot over the last couple of games. Um, probably more so than um, more so than, than perhaps I was expecting. Yeah, because he came with a bit of a you know reputation of him out of a mistake in him, or you know come charging out of his area. And he's Andy not, was a knobber, and he played for them a lot. Yeah, um, but I think uh, as games have gone on, he's he's got better and better for me. And like you say, he was uh, probably deservedly man of the match on Saturday. Yeah. Certainly was. I put a string of great saves from Maxwell in both halves. So second half came and Blackpool did as Blackpool had been doing all season and just let them come into the game and the goal was inevitable, I think, but it was a series of poor defending and ball retention that led to their equaliser. But I think there was a, an air of inevitability about yeah, Fonz, Fonz was messing about Fonz was messing about and lost it and then it just stemmed from there didn't it and like you say poor defending and you couldn't really argue with with them getting back into it because it, it, I mean can, we've got to remember the conditions again where you could see how much the ball was being held up from goal kicks when it was going up in the air it was literally stopping on the halfway line yeah. and coming back um, but obviously it's the same for both sides um, and they they probably did you know, deserve their equaliser. And in the run-up to our winner, they did look like more likely team to score and they had quite a few chances. Maxwell's kept us in the game, particularly 30 seconds before we scored. Another yeah. one-on-one, great save. Just stuck an arm down, got rid of it, distributed the ball up front. Medine hit the bar, didn't he, with a header? Yeah, he did, yes. yeah, just before... Um, mm. uh, just going back before we talk about the winner, I mean, there was there was a slight controversy, wasn't there, over um, substitution. substitution with Nuttall coming on. And I think I think Dunn got the wrong end of the stick unless he was just 
um, uh, in his post-match interview where he, he sort of inferred that the discontent that was shown towards the substitution was aimed at Nuttall, where it wasn't. It, wasn't. it was very much... Aimed at Medine. Uh, aimed at, well, a combination of Medine and the fact that taking off a player who's, who can unlock defences was perhaps not thought to be the right thing to do. But I think it's more... I think Medine, again, as we spoke about after... Um, uh, after Bolton, um, and uh, he, he seemed to struggle. And um, I suppose we've got to give him credit, though, haven't we? Because from that substitution, Medine we did, laid it off. We did look <laughs> a lot better. We did look more likely than we had yeah, done. Yeah. Medine yeah. laid it off to uh, Feeney, yeah, who whipped in Feeney again. What a what a player oh, he is! Yeah, I mean, it's just just all the pace on it, wasn't he's, it? He's this, always marked, but he always gets these, the balls in. Yeah, and, and there's, there's something about those looping. Headers when a player comes onto the ball like that, that I just love. I remember Bobby Charlton going back donkey's years used to score goals like that. He scored yeah. one in the in the European Cup yeah, final in '68, uh, a little bit further out than Nuttall's, but but it's that those those, those headers as when somebody's coming onto it um, and and loops it. I just love them. I think they're fantastic viewing and um, and great and, finish by Joe Nuttall. Oh, Beautiful. We, 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 we were saying, weren't we? You know. How many times have we said on here that needs a know, goal. he needs a goal and ideally he needs to score it at the north end and cement his relationship with the fans? And I think he's done that. You know, he went straight over, didn't he, and cue another page invasion. <laughs> but uh, probably the least said about that, the better. But, you know, it's almost like um, that the celebrations were like a carbon copy of last Tuesday night, weren't they? It was. Um, great, great moment. And it's great to see him get off the mark and... You can't beat a last-minute winner, can you? And you I'm think, look, all those people left before the end, you're thinking, what are you? And, uh, and, he uh, and he's learnt, finally! I was I was at the top of the steps, going <laughs> back go. into M block, <laughs> and I turned round, and, uh, yeah, just stood there and crossed So you were in. going, you were doing well, it again? No, what I did was, I was going to watch to the end, we were just stood up at the top, that's all, um, and then I went legging it back, because there was a guy in front of us who was in court, was an Ipswich fan, so, and he wasn't being an arse or anything, but I just sort of let him know how pleased I was. <laughs> so Nick's finally seen a last minute winner. Good on you, Nick. Right, that was the last match review. Let's move on to Worst eleven, and um, this is the most, not controversial, but the most, uh, it's got the most buzz, the centre forward positions of the worst ever eleven. Off very abruptly, that sound effect. Must get it in the editor. Right, worst every 11. We're now on the centre forward position, or the two centre forward positions, and we've had a massive response on Twitter for this. So I think what we're going to do is we're going to bring together a short list of 10, and I'm perhaps going to do a live stream where we can all get the fans involved and give their point of view as to who's in this team because there's been loads of suggestions there's a, a lot of feedback from this so we'll make our own shortlist out of these names so here we go I answered my own question and my my vote was for Nigel Hawkins um, I put utterly weak and lightweight could be knocked off the ball by a gust of wind and Chris Malkin record signing for years and utterly hopeless so Nick what do you think of those two suggestions can't argue with either of them um, particularly Malkin, who cost us a lot of money. I think was it two hundred and something thousand at the time. He was a record signing for God knows how long. Until Charlie Adams signed, that's yeah. ridiculous. From Millwall, we got him. 
Uh, yeah, Tram- he was originally yeah. Tram- 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 sort Tram- of, um, and he scored all his goals there, didn't he? Yeah, when Elton Wellesby used to put yeah, him on uh, yeah. on the on the uh, kickoff. You know, the soccer night. You know, yeah. the soccer oh. night. Don't get me an Elton Wellesby. That could be a program all of its own. <laughs> my hatred for him. Um, but yeah, just another one who came with a reputation, cost us a lot of money, and well, how many did did he score? Was it one? Yeah, it wasn't many. quite early on, but not many. And I think that I'd even I think that was handball. It, it, I mean, to be honest, if, 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 it was just about when Owen went down for the, when he got convicted. Yeah. And if you remember, we sort of broke up the Allardyce team, but we but we actually um, spot, we paid serious money for three players, and there was him, there was Tony Butler, and yes. Gary Brabin, yes. and they all came in at the same time, and basically we spent thick end of a quarter of a million pounds on each one of them yeah Malkin was the most expensive and the time you're thinking what a great signing you know mm. it's a goal scorer you know a natural goal scorer yeah and we were trying to get wasn't we were not trying to get Kevin Francis as well at that time yeah big Kev yeah, yeah. do you want to listen to him so just got him up on Wikipedia he scored 60 and 232 for Tramis it's not that prolific really is it Millwall 52 appearances 13 goals and for us 6 goals in 65 appearances which is shocking didn't know it was as many as 6 though so we led him for 3 years and after that he went to Telford mm. that's non-league he must have been knocking on a bit then though he had, he had a lot of injuries he when, when he was at no, he wasn't that old was he not no um, 10 in 51 for them and he went to Chester 8, eight appearances no goals and then to Ostbury Town no, no data on that so he's definitely on this list Absolute no-brainer. So Nigel Hawkins, who remembers him? Did he score? He wasn't who scored. He wasn't the player who scored a hat trick, was he? First game, and then <laughs> and then never. Now mix him up with somebody else. That's uh, that's Sandy Mays. Yes, Mays. Andrew Mays. Yeah, yeah. He scored a hat trick on his that's debut, right. and then he never scored again. <laughs> Nigel Hawkins not even on Wikipedia. Tony Diamond. I'll throw that one in. A few people have mentioned him. He, he's got to be on the yeah. shortlist. I agree with that. We've got um, some suggestions here. James Beattie, Tony Diamond, Sergei Kornolenko and Dave Bomber Lancaster. <laughs> Do you remember him? Dave Lancaster. <laughs> I remember him, I think Joe mentioned, on his, I remember him hacking at a ball about three or four times until he eventually connected with it and it just flew into the top of the net. That's kind of his only goal. Beattie yeah. wasn't with us very long, was no. he? But the only thing I remember him doing was laying off that cross for uh, Kornienko to Did score. You? No, no, no scored. it was Kornienko. He laid off Kornienko, put it across. Yeah, he did like that flick, didn't he? Against Do you know, so. I'd have James Beattie on the shortlist because he was garbage for Blackpool. You know, again, one of these players that come with a pedigree. He did one of the best ever through balls I've seen, but unfortunately it was for the Fulham striker. <laughs> remember it? It was literally, yeah. it was just like split through the middle of the team. Like, what did, is he doing did there? Did he score from it as well? Or yeah, not? Yeah. 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 So that, that actually arguably costs us our Premier League place, didn't yeah, it? it I, think, was, I uh, think he should make the list. What do you think? I'm, I'm, uh, I think most certainly should make the 10, shouldn't he? Yeah. Right. So we've got James Beattie. I think we've got to have Tony Diamond in because because Tony keeps on featuring, doesn't he? And, mm. and his attitude... Um, Blackpool. Didn't he wasn't interested in playing at all the minute he signed. There was a story, wasn't there, where he, I think he said something like, oh, "I can't be arsed playing here" or mm-hmm. something like. But yeah, he's he's definitely making it. So James B T Nasky Kuchi Matt Shaw Zarko Grabovac Simon Lewis. That Matt Shaw comes up a lot. Speaking to a mate of mine in the club, and he he mentioned him. Uh, Rob Walker said Kuchi had the worst body language I've ever seen from a professional footballer makes not all look all action <laughs> <laughs> how do you spell that Kuchi K 
game did he play enough for us? I don't really remember him. Shall I Google it? I'll wiki it. Yeah. Carry on. While you're, while you're Googling that, one that's got to be on there, Michael Chopra. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Michael Chopra. Yeah. Get him on. We'll discuss at length later. Um, my sister said, this is funny, Paul Dalgleish, even though he's on the uh, right wing, he's put, looks like his dad, plays like his mum. She's <laughs> put harsh on his poor mum. Um, who did we say? Who did you say? I can't remember pronouncing that. It was Shefki Kuchi's brother. Ah, right. I don't think he played enough, though, did he? For us. Oh, well, I, I know. What's his first name? Um, Naz. N-J-A-Z-I. Alex Thompson said Tony Fukin Diamond. And Chris Malkin. Uh, oh no, Steve says um, Tom Barkusian plays at a forward and all, all along he was a right back. <laughs> four four appearances on loan in 2000. Yeah, he's not played enough. No. Joe says, uh, Joe Gradwell says, Nigel Hawkins and Tony Diamond to take both berths. Masters of, Disa- did it. <laughs> Masters of Disaster, shots at shy mules who came as one useless package and we just can't separate them now. It would be like fish without chips. Uh, Richard Cook Jr. Bent fans <laughs> chanting when we play. He wasn't we set with forward anyway, really, was it? Well, he did, I suppose I he did every now and again. Occasionally, yeah, he was more seen, of a winger, yeah. wasn't he? Junior's we, we had that last time, didn't we? We ruled him out. <laughs> this is funny. Uh, Joe also says, I recall Malkin wearing a bandage around his head one I game, like, this. like Basel Faulty style. He, did. he said the West Paddock was laughing and slaying him at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Steve McPhee. Mm, came at a high price, didn't he? Didn't do a lot. Unlucky with injuries. I think it's probably with him more down to injuries rather than ability aptitude, yeah. wasn't mm, it? Yeah. Sergey Kornelenko keeps featuring. Him and Beatty, there's a case for having them both on, isn't there? I'd have Beatty on ahead of Kornelenko, I think. At least Kornelenko put a bit of effort in. Mm. Mm. Um, Mike, New- Mike Newell. Oh, <laughs> Ended up playing centre-back for us, didn't he, quite a bit, if I remember rightly. Simon Lynch, Coochie, Serene Sir. This was all from Graham Clayton. Graham Clayton says Chopper as well. He was a disgrace. Mm. Bogdanovich gets mentioned a couple of times, he does. doesn't he? Nardiello. Daniel Nardiello. He had a bad attitude when he came He did. What about um, a Burnley striker? He had a bad attitude. Peyton. Peyton. I think he's meant. I'm sure he gets mentioned further down. Because as soon as he signed, he said, "I'm a Burnley player. I'm only here for." A, I don't care about Blackpool. He said, "More, more worse than that." In fact, yeah, Andy Payton, Burnley, Burnley legend, onto Shaq for us. Sam P. Jones, Tony Diamond, Nigel Hawkins, Matty Blinkhorn, legend on Championship manager, but dog shit in real life. <laughs> he scored a few tricks. Someone said, "I saw Blink score a hat trick in the LDV." Um, Actually, two. I used to quite like Blink so he sort of wore his heart on his sleeve yeah. and got out there and got stuck in Rob Walker two from these four duffers Malkin, Chopra, Conroy or Beatty Anyone Conroy, with? Mike Conroy Mike Conroy, yeah that's what he's saying Magic Melia, Dark Zarko Grabovac I, I don't remember Conroy being that bad no yeah you're right John Ford, Tony Diamond was an embarrassment Tony Diamond's getting a lot of shouts here Rob Earnshaw, he didn't play many for us. Ooh, though, good did he? shout, Nick. Yeah, not very many. I, I remember him playing at Bolton. Um, I think it was that game. You know when Bar- 
Barhusen scored um, from perhaps a wonder goal on the right hand yeah. side. He he came on in that game. Yes, and uh, I don't remember, don't actually remember him playing after that. No, he, he barely played. Um, Dave Sudden says, I don't know "Why we signed him?" David Goodwillie. That's, Daniel, all these players. Yeah, they? Daniel Bogdanovich, Cucci, Chris Malkin, and Nile Ranger. That's a good one. Yeah, Nile Ranger. I think he should make the. Yeah, <clears throat> purely on his attitude. Daniel Bogdanovich, Gary Ford, says we got Bogdanovich, Oyston got very rich. That was a real sign of the times of what was happening signing, wasn't mm. it? Another one for Nile Ranger, James Beatty. I think Bog- Bogdanovich is getting on there. He's getting enough mentions to make the shortlist anyway, isn't he? Mm. Here's an interesting one. Apostolos Velios. <laughs> do you remember him? <laughs> no. No. You do. Vel- he, he was on loan from, was it Everton? And he was absolutely oh, garbage. Yeah. And then he went for a million quid yeah. after that. To yes. I had him in Forest when they were in Championship. I do remember. Yeah. Um, Did I'm he play enough for us, though? I'm going to have a look now. Carry on. We've got Malkin and Lee Thorpe. No other contenders. Mm. There was that, I saw somebody mention, there's actually a European Cup winner on there. On the list of our worst ever strikers. Is there? Yeah, Who? Gary Shaw. Gary Shaw, yes. He was. Well, I don't know, did he play in the European Cup final? I think he might, I don't know if he was injured. Yeah, I think he did. He was shite for us, though. Uh, so that would be... How many were on there, Tim, now? How many have we got? Um, well, we're having Nigel Hawkins, aren't we? Yeah. So one, Chris Malkin, two, Tony Diamond, three, James Beatsy, four, Michael Chopra, five, um, Andy Payton, are we having him? No, I don't think he played enough. Nile Ranger, six, yeah. Bogdanovich, well, seven... Velios only played two games. Right. Yeah, a couple of women. Um, right, so we've got. Dan Smith says uh, James. We've got three Beattie. more to go. Says James Beatty, Ben Burgess, Malkin, or Hawkins. <laughs> Burgess is a bit harsh. I know he wasn't. So she's put up in popular opinion, I know, but yes, I never rated him. <laughs> she's getting slayed a lot for that. Yeah, he was a bit cumbersome, wasn't he? But he's. Yeah, BBB. I, I, didn't, I didn't like the way we played when he was in the team, personally, but. You know, he, he gave he got a lot of stick as well. But I remember it. Uh, he scored an absolute worldie at Charlton. He scored a worldie at Charlton. And as my well. mate was slating him <laughs> every time we got the ball, and he got it back to goal in front of the way, and he was going, "Burgess, that's it, get rid of it, Burgess!" And he turned and curled it into the top corner. Everyone was just like shoving him. Couldn't believe it. But I don't know. I can't have him in. Andrew Barrowman, another one for Gary Shaw here. Gary Shaw scores loads of goals for Villa, but garbage for us. I think Shaw was on loan at the time. Mike Canroy, Chris Malkin. This is funny. Uh, John, who's called Chili Hippo on Twitter, says, can trialist be one? <laughs> <laughs> rather, rather apt. <laughs> Matt Shaw and Gary Shaw. Another one for Matt Shaw here. Now I'm injured, Matt Shaw up front. I think, I think, Matt, I think Matt's had enough. Um, he's had a lot of mentions. Yeah, I think uh, he's got to go on. I think he's got to go on. Sorry, Matt. Sergei Zanyov, Tony Diamond, Dave Lancaster, that Velios Nick, yes, Reigns, uh, Nile Ranger, Chopra, BT Malkin, Chopra, Bruner, Sutherland, Derbyshire, Chopra, Kornelenko, Grabovac, Mike Sharon, Graham Fenton, BT, Chopra, Chopra. Someone's put Joe Nuttall. <laughs> Just got. Um, Craig Allardyce, McPhee, Malkin. Yeah, he never played up he front, though, front, was he? Carl Richards, Rob said, Rob Gradwell. Carl Richards. Did he go on strike at half-time? Was it Carl Richards? 
Leaky Martin, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're on then. We're on eight at the moment. So we need two more. We're on eight. I've not put Steve McField. I've not put Daniel Nardiello on. Yeah, he was shy, wasn't he? Hang on a minute. Has anyone put Gary Brock on? No. Get him on. He was hopeless. Gary Brook. That was in. Was that in? Um, that was the Peach Ciders kit. Yeah, that'll be uh, Mullins Day, wasn't it? Mm. Right, we need one more. Well, we've got, we've got, we've got yeah. the possibility. I don't know how many games Nardiello played for us, though. I will tell you shortly. Gary Shaw, Blackpool. Yeah, I think Gary Shaw was a good shout. Absolutely appalling for Blackpool. Six on loan, no goals. Is that enough? Mm. Is there anybody else on the list that we haven't we've got to the bottom of it? Yeah. What about recent times then? What about under Lee Clark? That kind of era. Seven appearances, Daniel Nardiello. How many goals? None. He's borderline, isn't he? Is yeah, it? just short double figures on appearances, but So who who was up who was up front when Lee Clark was manager? And I'd ever went. No. Or Worthington. That was a poor team, wasn't it? Mm. We'll pick another one offline. Yeah, yeah I think I think rather than we'll we'll uh, we'll have a look. We'll we'll go away. We'll confer with the patrons, <laughs> and we'll come up with a tenth. That's the way to do it, I think, yeah. isn't it? There's yeah. a couple of possibilities. Nardiello's a possibility, but I do, I think if we could. I think we actually need to think about it and maybe get a couple of the squads up from yeah. Worthington's year yeah, and, and from Lee Clark's year and just refresh and... our memories as yeah, to yeah. Yeah. blank <laughs> some of them out, don't you? <laughs> well, like the pools panel in operation, and that was a revelation that Tony Green told me that he, he he's worked on the pools panel for the last thirty years. Yeah, with yeah. Uh, with Goosby on with Gordon Banks and um, uh, Morty Norman Hunter. I think Morty was on it for a while yeah. as well, and. Um, and Roger Hunt, of course, yeah. he's, he's great friends with Roger Hunt. Uh, Roger comes, goes, been to quite a few Blackpool games. Right, okay, right. I think that's enough for one night, isn't it? Next match, right? We're going, oh yeah, of course. So we've got Fleetwood coming up this Saturday. Tim's going. Nick's not got a ticket, and he's not got a ticket for the um, beam back either. Even though I said, "Do you want me to get you a ticket?" <laughs> well, I thought I was still going and hopeful of getting one. We'll we'll see what happens in the next. Anything can happen in the next four days. <laughs> So I'm going to watch the beam back, uh, pie and a pint for a tenner. So it's pretty good, that. It's all right, isn't it? It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm still slightly uh, frustrated that Fleet would have cut the allocation. I think it's completely unnecessary. Um, but, you know, because like 400, probably 400 fans who would have gone aren't going to get the opportunity to go. And, and it just encourages people to go in the home, man. Yeah. I'd rather, I'm quite happy with my choice that I've made, because I'd rather them give the money to Blackpool anyway, mm. rather than them lot. Particularly after what they've done with cutting our arcade, so I'm I'm comfortable with um, pumping my money into Blackpool rather than Fleetwood. Yeah, but he's got he's, he's going he's going straight it. to the coal face, isn't he? Uh, Critchin is with his first game. If assuming he does oh, take yeah. charge, that's a, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder if he will be in charge. I think I, I, my gut reaction is he will. He'll but but he'll have he's got done with him, hasn't he? And um, you know, I'm I'm sure he'll lean on him a lot in relation to the team that that, that gets picked and watch a few videos and make his own mind up from there. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what he does with his, with his backroom staff, whether Dunn and Tommy, Tommy Johnson, Tommy, it's Tommy Johnson, isn't it? Uh, wonder whether they're going to be retained or not. 
Well, he said initially, yeah. I mean, he might, he might again, he might give it to the end of the season, possibly, and then I suspect so. I don't, I don't. You don't come in and and break everything away. up straight no. away, do you? you? Need some continuity just to see you through. And it's ideal. He's, you know, he gets a chance to look at the team with no pressure, really. And I think done. You know, in the short time he's been here, he's um, he's done. He's, he's done, done good. What, he's done reasonably well. So <laughs> I think we could do worse than uh, you know than keep him on definitely. So how how do we think this game's going to go? It's going to be a very tough game, isn't it? They're in good form at the moment. Tough to beat. We've never ever been to Highbury and seen a good game, though, have we? Every game, well, the FA, game, the FA was Cup, it. The FA yeah, Cup that's game, going right back. But yeah. the, um, the recent league games, they, the dire. They, they've all dire. been dire. Well, it's cold, windy. It's open and exposed, isn't it? And Stinks of fish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, uh, I wonder if Nandjel will be back, and if he is, what you know, would he go straight back in? Because we've what have we had three games he's not played. We've picked up seven seven, seven points. Uh, to, to be honest, I'd I'd rather play Joe Nottall than Medine. You know, that's a, that's a yeah. It'd be interesting to see what happened on um, on on, on Saturdays. I, I don't think he would have dropped Medine. I think Nottall would have probably started on the bench again, mm. but. Um, I don't know whether Nangela is going to be fit. I, mean, I suspect they won't say too much anyway. But then he's got a big call as to whether he brings him straight back in, doesn't he? Kai Kai as well. It's disappeared. No yeah. on him, is there? It seems yeah. uh, strange. But uh, I'm going to go. <clears throat> I think with a new manager coming in, that's a bit of a boost. Uh, I'm going to go one all. I was going to say one all as well. So I'm going to go. I was, that. but I'm going to have to say something different now, aren't I? <laughs> oh, um, I was quite prophetic in the in our halftime. Interview. You were on the hood. Did you hear it? I said, Mystic Meg. I said, um, it's, I think they're going to equalise and we're going to score with a 90th minute winner. That's what I said. Called it. Should put some money on it. So, yeah, go with one all. I mean, go with one all, Tim. What's um, <clears throat> I don't see his winning. That's I'm going to go 2 1 Fleetwood. Ooh. On that note, I'm going to press the outro, in, in, outro music button. So, yeah, great, great show. Once again, chaps. Yeah, you've got to strike while hands hot sometimes. We do. We? We, we, were, we were discussing whether to do it tonight, and I think it's the right thing to do, and, and getting uh, Josh on just start the icing on the cake for me. I think it's great to get that insight. Yeah, we were going to do it in the week, weren't we? But it was, a, it was good to do it today, no? wasn't it, Nick? It was indeed. Right, so hopefully we'll be coming back. Well, we'll come back next week after the Fleetwood game, hopefully with some good news and a, a good performance with our new gaffer in charge. It's not a derby, though. Just, just, <laughs> no. don't, come, don't start calling it a derby. Just another game. <laughs> Don't tell that to Joey Barton. <laughs> Tim's doing a winding up handle motion behind the, under the desk. It was either that or something else. Something else, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on that note, we'll we'll say goodbye. So thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. And up the pool! Up the pool! Oh, no, Critchley's Tangerine Army. Come on. just a few quick messages before you head off I'd just like to ask if you haven't already to please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes it helps the show grow gain more exposure so if you go to seasiderspodcast.co.uk forward slash review I'll redirect you to the iTunes review site so if you could do that that'd be greatly appreciated just to make you aware you can listen to this show on all major podcast platforms including Spotify Pocket Casts and Google Podcasts and if you're not listening to this on a podcast app, I highly 
encourage you to do so because it is the best way to listen because you get them sent automatically if you're on social media we are on there so please do give us a follow if you're not doing so already we're on facebook twitter and youtube seaside's pod is my handle so i'm sure if you search for that or just seaside's podcast you'll find us on there so if social media is not your thing we do have an email list so if you want to sign up to that you'll get an email whenever we do release a new show so go to seasidespodcast.co.uk forward slash email and sign up there and finally, if you do enjoy what we're doing here and you want to chip in a few quid every month to help pay for our production costs and gear upgrades, please consider joining our Patreon supporter program where you'll get lots of exclusive content and services in return. So head on over to seasidespodcast.co.uk forward slash support to find out more. Right, I promise that's the last you'll hear from me. See you on the next pod. Over and out. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.